This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we are taking a look back at Mac and Me to see if our nostalgia is warranted. So, first note up top, Sarah is not on board for this episode, so it's yet another boys' night. Uh, She is busy with preparing for multiple shows at the same time uh, and has rehearsal every single day of the week because she is insane. Uh, yes. I, we have to find a different name for that instead of Boys Night. I don't know What why. is wrong with Boys Night? <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds weird to me. Uh, a night out with the guys? Is uh, that better? Well, that could work, yeah. Anyway, um, so luckily this is Mark's pick. Uh, also, luckily, it's his because I had never seen this film before. I know it as a cultural touchstone. It is a reference that they bring up a lot on uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me whenever they see someone who is, <laughs> let's say, not pleasant to look at. Uh, they will try to compare him to Mac from this film. Mm, that makes sense, yes. All right, but we are going to start off, as we always do, with a 60-second synopsis. So, Mark, you're going to tell people what this film is about in one minute flat. Are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. You became, <laughs> so confident. You became more confident as you replied. I have tested myself on this once, and it was under a minute, so I think we're good. Um, right. But I will probably miss a bunch of the big points, so we'll just have to talk about them later. <laughs> no problem. All right. And in three, two, one, go. When a Mars probe accidentally sucks up a family of aliens and returns to Earth, the aliens escape to find a world they know nothing about. During the escape, the youngest alien hides in a vehicle of the Cruz family, who are moving from Chicago to California. Upon arriving at their new home, the family start to notice some unexplainable occurrences, which Eric swears were caused by the creature. Together with his new neighbor, Debbie, Eric traps the alien in a vacuum, and they start to become friends. Despite the obvious language barriers, Eric eventually realizes that Mac is homesick and wants to find his family. Eric teams up with brother Michael, Courtney, uh, brother Michael, Debbie, and her sister, Courtney, and they all travel out into the desert in search of the alien family. They arrive just in time to revive the dying aliens and attempt to return home to keep them all safe. During their return, the aliens are seen by other humans who freak out, causing mayhem and a large explosion. In the chaos, Eric is accidentally killed, but the aliens use electric magic to bring him back to life. Then the aliens are granted citizenship and all live happily ever after. Ooh, just in on their time. Two minutes to go, and my Two alarm... minutes to go? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> out of one minute. No, two seconds to go. Sorry, my phone was beeping and I couldn't put words together. Uh, anyway, let's go on to long form. What did you see as an adult that you may have missed as a child? Which, for me, is literally everything, everything. in this film. Well, so actually, I noticed that 
there was a lot of this movie that I did not remember. So, <laughs> oh really? Uh, was it the huge McDonald's dance scene? Yeah. Was it a <laughs> child getting murdered or a child falling off of a cliff and nearly dying? Uh, all three of those things I had forgotten. Actually, the only thing that I really remembered was because my sister and I used to do this all the time. Was the hand thing with the, oh, with sure. the whistles? Um, except I forgot that it was whistling. I just remembered the hand gesture. So that was about the only thing I remembered about this movie other than it was an alien living with a human family. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to me whenever they put an alien a film in a film, how they represent how they're different from us. And the hand gesture is the one thing that I will give this film credit for because that's kind of interesting humans don't make this gesture and apparently this is the way that they communicate over long distances where i will take away points is (laughs) everything else (laughs) yeah pretty much everything else is super derivative i mean you have this species on a planet we've never seen before and hey guess what they look exactly like human beings except they have no hair and no nipples which I, I am so bored of having, like, bipedal aliens that look exactly like human beings that have ten fingers and ten toes. It's just, like, there's a universe of possibilities, and you're going with the simplest thing because you can make an Did easy costume. Did they have ten fingers? I remember Mac at least only had three toes on each foot. I don't know how All many right. fingers I didn't. Had. I didn't count the toes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure their hands looked pretty normal. Yeah, I don't remember how many fingers they had, but yeah, I mean, most of it, it was like, hey, that's a person in a suit. But although they would have had to find some really skinny people to get in those costumes. Well, uh, that's true. I don't know exactly how they did back for most of this film. I know several times, especially in the beginning, they do this terrible thing where it's clearly a child running. And even though it's a quick shot, you can tell that the child is a completely different size than the alien it is trying to portray. Like in the the dance scene when he's a teddy bear. Oh my god, the <laughs> dance scene. We are going to get by measures to the dance scene. No, yeah, I remember, it. I, I noticed that his height seemed to change off and on. Yeah, the, I guess I will give him points as well that these aliens are basically made of jelly. Because uh, they don't have bones, they can be sucked up by vacuum cleaners. In my notes, I have written that they're made of the pink slime <laughs> that McDonald's <laughs> makes hamburgers out of. Y- yeah, I... I had forgotten all that. Like, I couldn't even remember how he had gotten to Earth originally. Oh. And then, like, the, when the movie was starting, I was like, I have no idea what's happening here. And then it was like, and, and the thing was that it was like a ship that was sent to Mars to collect data, but it didn't even have, like, a NASA logo or anything. It just had an American flag on it that I remember. And it picked up a few rocks, and it had a little radar dish on it, and then somehow it had a hose that sucked aliens in, and then when the aliens went in, it started to explode, and for some reason that meant it was time to take off and go back to Earth, which... Yeah, I mean, that all of that is accurate. Before we get too far away from the aliens, I do want to describe to our viewers, uh, viewers, our listeners, <laughs> uh, who haven't viewed this movie... I mean, you can just Google pictures of Mac and me, but to me, it looked like a mixture of the the yellow guy from Sin City uh, mixed with this character actor called Dylan Baker, which is perhaps unkind to him, uh, but... <laughs> 
Like, if you gave him chubbier cheeks and bigger eyes, he's basically this, these well, aliens. So the aliens themselves, basically, I, I didn't really do it much research into their design, but for being something transported to a different world where they don't know what's going on, at least they always had a surprised expression on their face. It's like their mouths are just little circles that always look like they're... <laughs> right. I mean, that's... it's. I think it's to portray that they communicate only through whistling. It suggests that their mouths cannot take any other shape than what our faces take when we whistle. Uh, but it, it kind of unnerved me in that way. It's a bit uncanny valley for me, where it's it's so close to human except for this one thing. Well, also their eyes are huge. But Yes, that is that is also true. Did they even have noses? I don't even remember I don't now. Think I don't they think they did. did. Uh, oh, they do. There's a tiny nose. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at an image right now. They also have like little horns, which are basically like bubbles oh, on the head, yeah. as if they have a tumor. So I did want to mention about the spacecraft that comes and gets them at the beginning. I think it had the hose just to suck up soil samples, mm. and it accidentally sucked up these four life forms. <laughs> and I think that was its mission, is once it was full, yeah. it was going to fly back. I don't understand um, <laughs> why, Everything. when it got back, the room was just full of, like, all of these military personnel, all of these scientists, as if this was a special event and not just a probe coming home. Right, and I don't know who, again, because I don't remember seeing a NASA logo. I would assume since it's... But then again, this was another point that I was going to get to, but so the family, Eric's family, traveling from Chicago to California is... I guess happens to be passing by this place where the aliens escaped from, and that's how Matt got into their car. So where is this yeah, facility? It's, it's a little strange that this secret government base <laughs> is right next to a highway. Well, that too. But I'm. I guess I was just thinking how many. But how many NASA facilities are there between Chicago and California, like on a road that you? Cause, so, I mean, unless it's Area 51, apparently, but... <laughs> so, this this has to be in the desert, right? Because the, the rest of the family travels the desert for the rest of the movie. Uh, but it also has to be close enough that their group of kids can drive to where the parents are within the course of a day, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, so, my understanding was this highway goes through the desert somewhere in California, uh, and somewhere out there, very close to the highway, is this government base where probes come back. That was my understanding of this geography of the <laughs> yes. film. That's not the biggest problem I have with this movie. No, no, but it was something I thought of. So. Though, the, the interesting thing to me uh, is, well, one, this movie has a lot of E.T. parallels, which I will get to in my games. Uh, however... One of the things that this doesn't have that a lot of alien movies have is the aliens have no way home. Like, they are stuck on Earth. It's not just you're going to get E.T. back to his friends and he gets to go home. These aliens are stuck here for life because they didn't come with a spaceship that is capable of giving them home. And we don't know, I suppose, 
normally in a sci-fi movie, they portray the aliens as a lot more technologically advanced and having ships uh-huh. to travel. These would just happen to get picked up by one of our stuff, and who knows, maybe they don't even have their own ships on their planet. They may not be able to get back with their own technology. Probably not. Well, we saw them on their own planet. They do seem like a primitive species. I mean, they didn't even have clothes, uh, and they were sucking up juice from the dirt, which is apparently what Coke is in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) It must be like what they drink on their planet. Exactly. But, like, in their planet, it comes from the Earth. So, Coke is dirt juice? (laughs) Maybe maybe that's where the Coca-Cola company got it, was from Mars somehow? That's why the cans are red? Maybe. I mean, that is a stretch, but I will give it to you. (laughs) Though, for a movie that McDonald's gave the licensing rights to their characters, I am surprised there's far more Coke in this movie than there is McDonald's. Yeah, well, I, again, did not research this. I was debating if possibly they have a partnership because some restaurants only serves one one brand. Yes, so, so Coke and McDonald's have had a partnership for a very long time. So getting the McDonald's rights, which uh, the producer of this film, that was his big thing. He probably also got the Coke rights. And there's plenty of Coke product placement in this. And other things. So <laughs> I, did a, I did a little bit of research on this. Because at the beginning of this, you see that this was... This is distributed by Orion Pictures, which I've seen and is now defunct. It's like, Orion Pictures, they normally make pretty good films, don't they? <laughs> uh, and yes, they do. They are, the, uh, they are the company that produced Silence of the Lambs, and they produced Dances with Wolves. Uh, they did not, however, produce this film. They just distributed it. It was produced, however, by the guy who made The Karate Kid. He was riding high after this movie and decided to cash in on the goodwill that E.T. had gotten six years before and introduce a new alien for kids. So he got the... He talked to McDonald's. He was the one person in history who ever had had the exclusive film rights for McDonald's. (laughs) Uh, And he made this film. McDonald's said no notes except for one, which was... Don't put Ronald McDonald in this movie. Well, guess what, guys? (laughs) Ronald McDonald is in this movie. So, like... Did he uh, get sued after that? No, apparently they were fine with it. Uh, But he refuses to admit that this is... That this really steals anything from E.T. Like, he just wanted to make an alien movie. He points out all the differences between this alien and E.T. And just, like... But you were cashing in on E.T. It was in the the cultural mindset, and you just wanted to create another E.T. because E.T. was wildly popular. And I'm sure you'll get to this, but it's interesting that he would refuse to, you know, comment on the similarities because there are so many of them. (laughs) Yes. Uh, He he likes to point out that the aliens can stretch, and, well, E.T. couldn't stretch. And he, I think he pointed out that in this movie, Mac has a family he's trying to get back to. Uh, So maybe he didn't see E.T. because E.T. definitely gets back to his own family. Yeah. 
if you're looking for differences, you can find them, but there aren't a crazy amount of them. And there's more similarities than there are differences. If we're going into that that line now, I you talked about the Coca-Cola product placement. Oh, yes. Which is one of the first things they discover is that the little alien really likes Coke. So in order to trap the alien, he sets a cup full of Coca-Cola and then has a bunch of straws lining down the hallway to other cups. <laughs> Which yep, this is, is, I mean, it's Reese's not the same PCC. thing, but yes, it's, it's exactly the same. Was thing. the same. Well, I mean, it's not the same product, but but it's the exact same way that they trapped ET or attracted him or whatever you want to say. Well, I have one more comment on the production of this film, and then yes. we can get into plot notes. Uh, I am so glad that this movie was a bomb <laughs> uh, because it cost thirteen million to make. And only made six point four million in the box office. Now, it was only in theaters for two weeks, <laughs> and the reason it did so poorly is the weeks that it was in theaters, it was up against Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Ooh. Big, and Die Hard. <laughs> well, now having, I mean, even having said that, we're probably going to comment on the lower quality of this movie in any way but yeah but like i'm glad this movie did bad and partially it was because of what was in theaters but i'm glad because if this movie did well we would have 20 more mcdonald's movies out there somewhere i'm glad when they tried it it failed immediately and they invested no more money in making films i yeah um i was gonna get to that when we get to the end but there, there is a part at the end where they even have a thing that comes up and says, we'll be back or something. And I don't think there were ever any sequels made oh, as far as I know. there aren't. But the producer of this film insists that they're going to make another one still. That is not going to have a McDonald's tie-in. Uh, he also insists that the Mac of Mac and Me has nothing to do with McDonald's, which is absurd. And I don't, did they ever name the alien Mac? I can't even remember. They did. It is a dumb character trait that this family has where they, they insist on creating acronyms for things that don't need acronyms. Uh, the first of which is, uh, they, the brother says it's an A-D-U-I, an alien driving under the influence. Uh, the mom then comes in and says, I made you a, uh, a toe. And the, the kid's like, a what? It's a tuna on whole wheat. You know, a toe. <laughs> uh, and Mac was named by the child, Eric. Uh, and it stands for a mysterious alien creature. That is clearly not a ripoff of the extraterrestrial of E.T. <laughs> no. <laughs> I... Oh, boy. I have, I don't know. There's real problems with this movie entirely. Uh, it's funny because I don't remember it being that bad, but I guess that's the whole point of our podcast because I don't remember when I saw it. It was not in theaters, so it would have been like renting it from a movie store or something. Um, I don't think it would have been anytime near when it came out because I would because I would have been older enough to remember it. But yeah, I do not remember it being that bad is the thing. So, <laughs> yeah. so I definitely, definitely want to get into the, the plot of this film uh, and specific notes because 
boy howdy, this film goes off the rails a lot. Um, but before we do, there is an inconsistency I want to talk about, about the, the aliens' powers. <laughs> so, yeah. we don't understand what the alien can do. The only thing that goes throughout the film is apparently they all have, like, this psychic bond with the hand gesture. Mm. And I, I think they have some kind of electrical powers because they touched the the spaceship that landed and it kind of sparked at him or whatever before it even started. And then the one when Mac is running away, he I, I think it was an electrified fence or something that was shocking him. But so that's how he flew into the road is he touched yeah. an electric fence. Uh, it blew his legs as if he was caught in a tornado, uh, stretched him out, and when he let go of the fence, he was flung like silly putty onto the highway. And then flattened onto the windshield of a car. Right. Okay, so yes, they don't have bones. They can get flattened and sucked up into things. Uh, they have vague electrical powers where they can make things turn on without touching them. Yeah. Uh, like power drills and that go TV. through a wall and nearly murder a child. <laughs> Though the the one that caught me was he wrecks the house, right? With all these power tools going off at once. And then like the next day, the house is repaired entirely, including the giant hole he put in the door <laughs> using a buzzsaw. So apparently they just have wood repairing powers as well yeah and they i mean they commented because the first night i think he was homesick maybe and so he brought in a bunch of sand and trees and laid it all over the floor of the house and the mom thought that the kids did it and was mad at mad at eric for some reason because yeah he would go out in the middle of the night and do that yeah of course he would he's also fully capable of it given he's confined to a wheelchair <laughs> yes that, that as well yeah, but the the drill that went through the wall put it was at least two or three holes in the wall, and then sawing a hole in the door, and then like the next day, it's like, oh, he must have fixed everything for us overnight. How? How did he do this thing? Yeah, but the other one, uh, we will get to by far the the description of this final scene. But they did without any preamble. Any explanation previously seen in the film, they can bring people back to life. They also are, I mean, they got exploded in that building oh, and right. just walked through the fire as if there yeah, was Yeah, they are explosion happening. and fireproof as well. <laughs> Never discussed before, but a huge plot point. It's like a deus ex machina. It's like, well, we have a murdered child. We need to do something about that. Let's just give the aliens a lot of powers. They can fix this with their alien magic. But also at the uh, the facility, when they come down, the dad touches a door and it explodes in front of him. And they never use this again. Was it the door or like it was a glass? Was it a door or a window? I thought he touched the glass and it broke. I had thought it was, like, uh, an airplane hangar or, like, a bunker-type thing where, like, he just touched a wall and it exploded in front of him and he was able to escape. I kind of pictured it as, like, uh, in Independence Day when they had the alien in that one room that had all the glass okay. walls. Sure, but that was, like, an internal room and would not lead to the outside. Yes. 
So, who knows? I'm certainly not going to watch this film again to find out. <laughs> That's unfortunate, because I think I watched it two or three times to get ready for this. <laughs> so, mostly because I kept forgetting things. I am ready by measures to go through the, my notes of this plot of the film. We talked about them getting sucked up and coming down to Earth. Uh, and just so, so many scientists being in this room. Um when they break free and like none of the actors in that scene look surprised that there was an alien creature in this spaceship. I mean, yeah, the one when it the first comes in, they're like unloading it. And the one lady's like, Oh, we have a malfunction in something and something. And the guy's like, Oh, well keep monitoring it or something. And then after they unloaded the, the whole I thought they had already emptied all the cargo or done their diagnostics or whatever. And she's like, we still have an error. And then all of a sudden it explodes and out come the aliens. Yeah, it's just like none of them seem to care that this is that they're meeting an alien species. They're just like, oh, uh, hi, how are you? And then the aliens run away. Yeah, and I don't. Those scientists then throughout the movie are kind of portrayed as the bad guys. And they're always chasing them. To me, it's like, we have this threat. We don't know what these aliens could do. We're trying to save the world, but everybody is running away from us like we're the bad guys. Yes. Uh, this was a problem I had with it as well. The only character who brings up a legitimate point about there being an alien on Earth and a problem this might cause is Courtney, the McDonald's employee. <laughs> she mentions that Mac could get sick or Mac could introduce a virus, uh, an unknown virus to the human race that could kill us all. Which again, I is kind of what happened to ET when he was on earth and started getting sick. <laughs> right. It also happened to the, um, Oh, what's that Tom Cruise movie? Um, the, the war of the worlds, war of the worlds. They die of disease as well. Thank you. But yeah, it's it's classic in sci-fi. Uh, things like sphere or uh, contagion, uh, like they you want to put alien creatures in a biodome so that they don't spread out their possible diseases and they don't get sick by possible human diseases. You just have this random creature, unbeknownst to the Earth, tracing around, and it's it's a nice jaunt. But there's there's a huge problem with that. Because we don't know what could go wrong. Well, and besides all the scientific factors of gravity and air composition on Mars compared to oh, Earth. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so. a good point. Also, were they on Mars? I thought that was what it was. Maybe it was. Okay. I mean, what other planet would we be sending a probe to? See, that I don't know. It's an unspecified planet. And I just assumed we were sending them out to all corners of the universe and this just happened to get back. I, for some reason, I thought it was Mars, but I guess maybe it could have not been. But Also, interesting point, they can breathe in a vacuum. Like, they can survive in, like, no environment. <laughs> so, they are basically... Gods? Yes. Gods among <laughs> human beings? Yes. So, Mac gets electrocuted and flies out into the highway. I thought this was actually a pretty good scene. There's a uh, car crash here, what, the first of many in this film. But I thought the car crash especially uh, was well done. 
um, in that, like, they had a car ramping off of another and crashing down without hurting anybody, which you couldn't really do in a kid's film. Uh, there's a funny moment I saw in this where, after this car crash, this lady has a fire extinguisher, but she is ex- extinguishing everything on this guy except for the fire that is on him. <laughs> like, she is she is blasting his hand while the fire is going down his other arm entirely. <laughs> that was something I had not noticed. Um, but, yeah, there's the car crash scene, and this is where um, Eric's family, on their way to California, gets stopped in this traffic jam and Mac is scared running away from all the scientists and happens they have the window open or something, so he hops in their car and nobody notices him. Nope, not at all. Uh, all the other people that don't notice him are the military police doing a spot check of all the cars for aliens. <laughs> right. The one thing they're looking for, they completely miss in this van. Yeah, and... So, this is when Mac discovers his love of Coca-Cola, apparently. He steals Eric's, and Eric blames his brother, and then Mac burps from the back seat, and Eric again blames his brother, who's in the front seat. Right, exactly. And then his brother blames his mom, because he's like, oh, it wasn't me. (laughs) And then, I don't, Uh, again, this puts into question where exactly this happens, because... They make the trip from wherever that is all the way to their house in California without noticing that there's another thing in the car with them. That's true. Yeah, they never really got out and checked. Uh, I would have maybe bought that the alien loves Coke if he had tried other things as well and then, like, landed on Coke as his fifth try. He finally got it right. But no, like, immediately he knows, I want this. He takes it, and he loves it. Maybe he has, like, super smell or something. That's possible. Maybe that's another alien power they did not fully explore in this film. <laughs> Maybe that's in the sequel. They will get into their smelling abilities. <sighs> What's Again, they get out of the car, and they're trying to, like, unpack and get in the house. Mac jumps out of the car while they're all inside, and the neighbor, Debbie, sees him. Yeah. And assumes it's their brother. Uh, well, I think, their I think naked a- brother. Later on, Eric told her it was her, his brother. And she's like, where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Illinois. And it's like, oh, well, that's what that must be the reason then. Yeah, though, oh, boy, this is a really cliche um, representation of people from California because Uh. when they meet Debbie (laughs) she is sitting on the other side of the road next to nothing Uh, they ask her what she's up to she's like I'm communing with the Earth spirit. (laughs) yeah that never comes up again yeah exactly her being a hippie doesn't affect her character for the rest of the film. But you do know that they're from Chicago because every article of clothing that Eric wears says Chicago on it somewhere. And they have, I think it was a Bears or a Cubs trash can. And he talks about the Chicago Cubs once or twice. Yes, he does. It's very important for that bear costume later on. Oh, yeah. Right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's what they had to establish is this is why we have a bear costume which doesn't make any sense anyway because it doesn't look like the chicago bears at all it absolutely makes no sense whatsoever uh the other note oh shoot i had something on debbie oh that's right they give her a line after 
uh, Eric says that Mac was his brother without realizing it. That is just, it's terrible kids' dialogue Mm. because kids would not talk this way. Uh, She says, quote, Welcome to the neighborhood. You should be an interesting addition. (laughs) And, like, it's pretty much delivered that way. Debbie is not a great actress. She is not. (laughs) She was probably the worst one in the movie. I mean, uh, that's tough to say because Courtney and... um, Whatever the brother's name Michael. was, Michael, uh, aren't given a lot to do either. I mean, they get to make googly eyes at each other. <laughs> uh, Eric is there to drive. That seems to be their one characteristic in this film. Eric drives? Not Eric. Michael is there. <laughs> but no, uh, after watching this film, I had to go back and look up what were these character names. Because they don't matter. They're not said that often. They're very forgettable. I had to go look up their family, like the surname. When I went to do the 60-second synopsis, I was going to talk about the car they jumped in. I was like, I don't want to just say Eric's car because it's not his. But I didn't know the family (laughs) name. So I don't know where we are. They moved into the house. Debbie is a terrible actress. (laughs) Yes, she is. So this is the point where we actually get some backstory. This could be interesting if they played it up a bit more. There is um, an emotional angle to take on this because as Eric is unpacking his stuff, he takes out a family photo that has the three of them that are there now and the dad that we assume has passed. They don't explain what happened to the dad. They don't really talk about the dad or his death at all. This is one note in the film that they could have expounded upon to make it more touching, and they didn't explore it at all. The one thing they do is Mac takes a look at this, and he does some calculus in his brain to realize that Eric is the youngest child of this family, Mac is the youngest child of his family, and Mac gets it in his mind that they're they're kind of the same in the family unit. Yeah, and... I mean, the other parallel that I saw was Mac is new to this planet. Eric is new to this city and doesn't know anyone. It's not Uh, exactly the same thing, but you know. No, no, no. Uh, I'm laughing because that is almost exactly the actual tagline for this film. Oh, (laughs) good. I didn't even look at those. (laughs) That's all right. I'll reveal it now and maybe repeat it later. But it's um, Mac and me. Eric's new to the neighborhood. Max new to this planet. Well, that's great because that's yep. uh, this is one of the things like I had been thinking was there. It's not exactly the same situation for them, but you know, like they they have that same similar similar thing in their life. Although the difference for them is that Mac is not with his family. So, <laughs> uh, while we're on the subject of Eric in this scene, I want to point out like. This is something the producer identified that uh, viewers of this film were not very kind to uh, because they cast an actual uh, kid. I don't know what disease he has, but he is confined to a wheelchair. And you do not often see a protagonist of a film actually confined to a wheelchair. Normally, it is a uh, able-bodied actor or actress playing someone in a wheelchair. And a lot of people have recently gotten flack for that, especially Brian Cranston, uh, who is in a movie I think that released this year or last year, where he's playing a paraplegic. Uh, and the paraplegic actors of America were like, well, 
that's a role we can actually do. Why are you taking that away from us? So I want to give credit to the film in that they they cast a kid in a wheelchair and they don't make that a big part of the film. He's just a normal kid. Mm -hmm. It's not a story about how he's confined to a wheelchair and how that's a terrible life. He's just, this is a story about a kid and he happens to be in a wheelchair. Yeah, I mean, that was something they never explained. You know, it was never a thing of this is why he is... A wheelchair, this is, this, you know, it wasn't a big plot point. It was just that he happened to be in one. And I, I want to give credit to the film where, like, they didn't make that a big point. They didn't, um, it was just very kind to this actor. And I, I want to see more of that with actual people in wheelchairs taking on real roles. Anywho, uh, that does not make up for the terrible plot of this film, however, which is why I think it did so poorly in theaters. You had mentioned uh, him falling off a cliff. Oh, which yes. Which is, Let's I think, get coming to up pretty scene. soon in the plot We anyway, can skip so. ahead. I don't have any big notes. Uh, like, Mac ruins the house. The kid figures out there's an alien going around. The mom doesn't believe them. And in an effort to capture the alien, Eric goes out into the backyard past his fence and apparently this is just where a <laughs> cliff happens now was he purposely tr- i thought he was out there because she was mad at him she thought he had destroyed the house and he just went out there kind of to pout or whatever i don't know if he was specifically trying to catch the alien at the, that time. so i think he went in the backyard to pout and he caught sight of something moving in the bushes which was mac and so he decided i'll prove to her this alien is real by capturing this alien. That's what I think was the motivation. I don't understand why this residential area is so close to this steep hill <laughs> that leads to a cliff. Well, and you would think someone who's used to a wheelchair would be able to go down a hill slowly or not roll down a hill in the first place. Or, or he would know how to crash in such a way that... Yes, he gets scraped up, but he doesn't go off a freaking cliff. <laughs> yeah. Because this is, this is the first of two scenes where Eric gets, like, in mortal danger. And I think, I mean, maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense to have the neighborhood designed that way, but it does kind of give an excuse to show the good side of the aliens. And because at this point... He lands in a lake at the bottom of this cliff or pond, mm-hmm. whatever luckily. you want. And yeah, <laughs> luckily there was water there. And then he can't swim. Uh, Mac dives in and pulls him out. So what I expected this this scene to be was slightly different than what it was. I expected this to be the scene where Mac sacrifices his secrecy to save this child. He kind of did. He saved the child, but he doesn't come out into the open. This film takes so long to establish that this alien is real and he's hanging out with these kids. I don't see why they took as long as they did. This is a perfect opportunity for them to realize, oh, the alien is real, and for them just to move on from there. Well, er Eric knew it at this point. I think before this point, he had uh thoughts i think he had seen the alien's head through the door 
But other than that, he hadn't really seen it. He found footprints leading from the shower, but he hadn't actually seen it until it saved him from this lake. And Debbie, the neighbor, had seen it twice at this point. Yes, and this is, after this is when they hatch the plan that they're going to capture this alien. Well, and I think this was all Eric's plan, because Debbie then comes and sneaks into his bedroom in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, a little bit questionable. Also, uh... Immediately after falling off a cliff, Eric is laying in bed, and there's there's a house call doctor there, who is just, he's handing out pills. <laughs> like, he just came with some pills in his pocket. He's like, yeah, just, just take these. They're sedatives. You'll love them. You don't need a prescription. I'm a doctor. Here, have this. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know really how to feel about that doctor. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, you're you're safe now, you're fine, I just checked you out and nothing is wrong, but suddenly I'm going to give you this psychiatric evaluation because you, you said you saw something and I don't believe you. Yeah, I mean, you seem like a kid who seems within the right age range to have an imaginary friend or, like, have just an active imagination, but you said you saw an alien, so I guess you're crazy. So, uh, <laughs> just take a nap and, uh, we'll commit you to a hospital. Yeah. And this is when we meet Courtney. Yes, that's right. I, I have a note on this. Uh, because Mac is laying in bed. Debbie, no, who Ma- is... Mac was not in the house. At Sorry, not Mac is laying in bed. <laughs> Sorry. I confused the two because they're boring. Um, so, Eric <laughs> is laying in a bed. Debbie comes in to see him because she was just talking to him before she, he went down the hill. Uh, Debbie was there. She's the one who shouted out and brought all the parents to come and save him. And I guess Courtney comes in to get Debbie... Because my note on this, I have her sister, quote, a McDonald's employee, comes in for no discernible reason. Uh, Well, it was to introduce her as Michael's possible. You know, and this was something we skipped over. When they arrive at the house, the first thing Michael has to say is something about, look out, California girls, the hormonal hero is here or something. Yes, and luckily this film delivers on that promise. And, of course, the next-door neighbor happens to be a girl his age, so... Of course. And, like, yeah, that's that's fine. I don't know. I, I guess every film, uh, most films now and every film of this era, needed to have the love angle somewhere. Somebody somewhere has to start a relationship, mm-hmm. and this fulfills that need for this children's film. I don't know. Their relationship to me is just like, it's fine. Uh, it seems realistic in that they're teenagers who are attracted to each other, so they'd be in a relationship. But, like, nothing ever comes of it. Nothing is important to the film about it. Well, and what was, and I don't know if it was a flub or if it's supposed to be funny, is because when, when he first meets her and she, she says something about, nice to meet you, and he says, me too. <laughs> it's like, so was that supposed to be him being awkward because he met a girl, or is that just him messing up a line? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like the other part of this conversation where he looks at her uniform and is just like, uh, M- McDonald's, huh? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And, and then her sister yeah. just says... Why don't you stop by for a Big Mac? <laughs> Implying that's some sort of, like, kissing or something? Oh, yeah, she definitely said it like it was supposed to have some kind of secondary connotation. And it was like, uh... 
Uh, I I did enjoy the play between Courtney and Debbie here because Courtney does play it off very much as like, oh, my embarrassing sister. I just met a cute guy and you're ruining this for me. (laughs) But it's like a two second thing. Well, and even before that, so the whole thing about inviting Eric to somebody's birthday party. Hey, do you want to come to this girl's birthday? Well, first of all, he doesn't know who this person is. Because he right. just moved there. Secondly, no all they say is, do you want to come to the party? He says, yes. Well, where is it? When is it? What day is it? <laughs> nah, so. I'll go to the party, sure. Oh, uh, a note that I missed before. When he is, uh, when Eric is first seeing the signs of Mac, he plays with his, Mac is playing with his television, turning it on without it being plugged in. The thing that is playing on the television is what I have a note on, because it is so apropos for the film because the TV is playing the Snorks, which is a clear ripoff of a much, uh, much more popular piece of entertainment, uh, and it just seemed the right fit for a movie that is ripping off mm-hmm. ET. Well, and as long so, when he goes through the bathroom searching for whatever intruder he thought was there, so Mac had turned on the shower or something. The the, the mirror was all steamed up. Yeah, and had except for... in the steam was like a shape of Mac's body, but that's not how steam on a mirror would work unless you're pressed your whole body against the mirror when it gets steamed right. up. Like, did Mac run into the mirror because he doesn't know what mirrors are? <laughs> and it's not well portrayed, but like the footprints that Mac leaves here, they seem like dirty footprints and not wet footprints. I, it just seemed like he got into the shower, and the shower made him dirty, and now he is leaving trails all over the house. <laughs> and of course, Eric's explanation later is, well, we may have had somebody in our house, but it's not like they did anything wrong. All they did was drink a Coke and take a shower. <laughs> like, they didn't do anything yes. wrong. But imagine a homeless person comes in and do that. Yeah, You would feel a little violated. All right, so they are, by measures, getting to trying to capture Mac. And Eric's plan is to suck him up, not knowing that this is something (laughs) that is capable of happening. Mm -hmm. We have not established that Eric understands that they were siphoned into a vacuum to come to Earth, or that he understands that they can fit, that they don't have bones. So imagine he's trying to catch a rabbit. That's all the knowledge he has in this person right now. I would not use a vacuum cleaner to catch a rabbit. True. Although at his age, I'm not sure what other things are available to him. Uh, I, at this age, I would be aware of the Looney Tunes traps (laughs) of a box and a stick where you put a carrot in the box and you pull the stick when it comes in. Or a giant anvil on a rope. Yeah, exactly. I would write to the Acme Company and get some (laughs) rocket skates or paint a highway on a cliff so that it runs into it. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I have no idea where his idea came from. So, but the other thing, again, uh, which you probably hear a lot, is another thing to go to E.T., was where he hides in the closet waiting for the thing to walk into the room following the trap that he set. And so when I was growing up, I never had one of these closets with doors that had blinds built into it. 
But oh, both yeah. in E.T. and either. in this movie where they can peek out through the closet door to see because it has blinds built into the door. Yeah, the other weird thing about this house uh, is that the boys' rooms have an adjoining bathroom. But that does seem to be the only way into this bathroom. So presumably the mom's bedroom has a bathroom. These two boys have a bathroom connected to their rooms and nothing else. It just seems so weird to me that there wouldn't be a third external door to these boys' bathroom. Anyway, that's a the thing, architecture but... of this house did not make sense to <laughs> that, me. That is a thing. As long as there isn't, like, another public bathroom somewhere in the right. house for guests, but... I don't know. We never see it. I assumed it didn't exist. Uh, what happens now? All right, so they trap Mac in a vacuum, but... Mac has superpowers, uh, and so <laughs> Debbie's got the vacuum strapped to her back. And like a Mac Ghostbuster just, pack. Yeah, Mac makes this vacuum just go everywhere. He also has an anti-gravity power because he can make this vacuum cleaner go up the wall and on the ceiling. Well, I mean, he does fly later at the dance scene, too. But Oh, that's, that's true. Uh, it's a movie <laughs> flub that we'll get to, but... Anywho, and then to defeat this, Eric pulls the plug on the vacuum cleaner. But we have previously established <laughs> that Mac doesn't need electricity to make things work. And yet, this works here for reasons. And at this point, they were trying to catch it in Eric's room. And at the time, Michael was in his room flirting with Courtney on the phone telling her how, all about how he knows about subjects at school and she should ask him for help. Um, and so when they go flying by in the hallway attached to the vacuum, he's like, what's going on? And chases them down. They decide to go from suck to blow uh, <laughs> and they let Mac out of the vacuum cleaner. Um, and Mac is hurt and they decide, well, I know how to heal him. I, I know aliens. I'll give him some coke. Yep. <laughs> and... And this works because Coke has paid to be in this movie. And because Coke has magical healing powers. Right. Oh, boy. We're getting my measures to that. This is another point where now uh, Eric has seen Mac. His brother Michael has seen Mac. Debbie has seen Mac. It's, it'd be the time in E.T. where E.T. stays with Elliot and Drew Barrymore, uh, <laughs> and they protect him from their mom and keep him safe. But no, Mac just runs away again. And this is at this point, what happened? His mom comes home from work, and they're all in the living room, and they tell Debbie to run away because they don't want their mom to know that she snuck into the house. And then, and then she comes in, and Mac is gone all of a sudden. It's like, what? And, like, I, I know how these films go. I just want the alien to get to the point where he's hanging out with the kids. Because then I know we can progress from there. And this film delays it and delays it and delays it. And it's just like, eventually I stop caring. Uh, and then he joins up. And then he's like, oh, fine, we, fine, we'll just keep on with the movie. Uh, the other thing that is happening at this point is the movie keeps cutting away to Mac's family. Uh, with, they're in the desert wandering around but there's no progression for that storyline we go from them walking in the desert cutting away seeing mac do a thing cut back to them and they're walking in the desert still <laughs> so what i am confused about here 
First mm-hmm. of all, I, when they escape from the facility, I can't tell if they ran to the desert because it reminds them of their home planet, so they decided mm-hmm. to stay there, or if that was like they had to walk through the desert to try to get to him. And then later on, you see that they're starting to get sick or whatever, maybe dehydrated from being in the desert. Well, that wouldn't be any different from their home planet, so I don't know why that is bad for them. But they start getting sick from that, so I don't know throughout their telepathic communications and their whistling sounds, Mac knows where they are because he's able to lead the family to them. So do they not know where he is, and why couldn't they just go to him instead of sitting in the desert waiting? I think it's because, and this is giving the film a lot of credit, (laughs) I think they're in the desert because when they escaped from the military facility, that's what was in front of them. Uh, So the highway's on one side, that's where Mac got flown to. They escaped on, let's say, the other side, which only leads to the desert. So they just ran away from that facility, and apparently it's desert for miles. That's all they know that exists on this planet, except for the the billboards and windmills that they run into. Though, the other thing I would guess at is that Mac continually feels in danger, and perhaps they want this child to come to where they are, which is relatively safe, instead of going to where he is, which seems like a big, dangerous area. So that's my best guess. Although, we uh, see later film that they have no problem wandering around it. through human areas at the end of oh, the movie. Oh, so. boy. Yes, we are... Yes, that is... <laughs> so, oh, boy. I have so, so many I notes had, that. I had thought about that because I'm like, you, maybe they just didn't want to go where the human population was and give themselves away, but they don't care about it at the end of the movie, so I don't... Yeah, um... That's an excellent point. It kind of negates my argument. The other (laughs) argument I would give is that the screenwriters for this film were just like, well, we don't need the parents until the end. So let's just stick them in the desert. They'll be in the desert. We'll check on them occasionally. And then uh, there'll be a plot device later on. I think that's all. Like they didn't have, they didn't want to develop that storyline at all, and so they just did. I think the cutting back and forth was just to try to show that Mac was homesick and misses his family. Which I mean, you could do that once or twice and already know that, I guess. And then maybe to show their their them progressively getting less healthy, their health deterioration (laughs) as time goes on in the desert. But we don't see them getting less healthy. They seem fine until we run into them at the end. There's the one time that the kid, the whoever the other smaller alien is, is like laying in the mother's lap and doesn't want to. Okay, I assumed he was just sleeping. I could be wrong, Uh, though. While we're cutting away to the parents, I take umbrage with a a part of the scene where they come across like this, I don't know, strap of uh, scrap of burlap in the desert, uh, and of course they make the female alien wear this clothing. These aliens aren't human; they were completely naked on their own planet. I think it's a weird standard to put on the woman of the group that she has to wear clothes while the men of the group could just wander around naked the only thing the only credit i'll give is it distinguishes which one is the mother of the group but i don't see why she's wearing clothes and nobody else is i didn't really care about that at all so (laughs) 
<laughs> Again, it's not an important plot point, so it didn't no, it didn't stand but it out at all. It seemed like an but, American standard that the screenwriters put on an alien race that they had invented. And while we're talking about that, yes, they are naked on their home planet, but they don't have the same human anatomy, so so yeah. there's not oh, like yes, yes, yes. there's not no, like no, no. nudity they don't or have, whatever that you There would is expect. no distinguishing features between the men and the women. Yes. Uh they also don't seem to have sexual organs. They don't seem to have uh, the reproductive organs of nipples. Maybe that's like their hand gesture. <laughs> they are. Oh, I don't want to think about that. But they are basically the Ken doll of alien species. Yes. I would, I would except made of pink goo. Yeah. Pink slime. <laughs> I think it's fine. Uh-oh. Oh, God. We're still delaying uh, Mac hanging out with Eric. We're finally getting there, though. No, yeah, but this is yet another delay tactic. Oh, when they go for a run? <laughs> they do go for a run. This is after Mac has cleaned up the entire house, uh, has repaired everything with his secret alien abilities, <laughs> uh, and the mom and Eric decide to go for a run, because uh, this is a cool activity they do together, and it seems like a mother-son activity. Mac decides to follow in a power wheel, (laughs) which is kind of interesting. I don't understand why he's doing it. Apparently the dogs can smell. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say the chicken nugget that Mac can turn into him being pink slime because he is being chased by literally every dog in this neighborhood. Like, if the if the government officials wanted to find Mac, all they needed to do was release a bunch of dogs, because <laughs> they will run right at Mac every time. Although, if that's the case, why hadn't they all been chasing him down when he was hiding in the backyard all this time? That's, so, a, that's a great question. I don't know. So, yeah, I they tried to make it like this big thing. Oh, look, he's chasing them down. And then he goes off a like not a cliff, but kind of falls down a hill. And somehow he ends up at the top of a tree. Right. (laughs) He is stuck in a tree. And then the music starts. (laughs) And normally when a song starts in a film, you know that you're you're here for a montage. (laughs) There's going to be several scenes cut together very quickly. And in traditional montage fashion, Something will happen over a long-term period. That's not the case in this film. (laughs) This montage does nothing. Because at the start of it, Eric is running with his mom. Every scene we see, and it's a big long shot and not several cuts, is Eric running with his mom. His mom is running. (laughs) Fine, he's in a wheelchair, he can't run, but he's going... For the run his yes. mom is on, I guess is a way to say that. I don't know why you're making this distinction. <laughs> but anyway, they are just continuing along the path we already saw them on. And Mac is also not making any progress because he's in the tree the entire time. And the dogs are just standing there barking at him the entire right. time. I expected this scene to be there's going to be some sort of interplay between Eric and Mac somehow During this journey, Eric will accidentally do something that uh, gets the dog off of Mac's case, or he will accidentally hit something that knocks Mac out of the tree, and then Mac has to run, and he goes across Eric's path. Some way that would intertwine their two storylines. But no, the entire time, for this entire song, they are completely separate and nothing is accomplished. 
suggesting that maybe this song shouldn't be in this film. <laughs> and I don't, uh, what, the song was all about like when you feel all alone and you're all you always have a friend or something. I don't even remember the lyrics, but it was one of those sappy songs about you feel like you're alone, but you have someone to be your friend and right. Like, I wanted anything to happen at this point in the movie <laughs> because they had delayed the the union between Kid and Alien for so long, and this song is another delay tactic because nothing happens. So nothing. We we finally get to where the alien is hanging out with the boy uh, as we move into this party scene. So we have reached that part in the film. Well, so first of all, the way that we cut to this scene. Well, I guess, wait, now, I'm already at the party. I don't know where you are. Oh, okay. Before we, the we party, should... we should talk about the, the 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 way they camouflage Mac to bring him along. But Yes, so, uh, Eric is at home. Uh, he comes in, and Mac is already in his house. Mm-hmm. He has decorated the entire place with uh, flowers in straws, which we learn what that means later. Uh, and Debbie comes in and is like, hey, it's uh, it's time for the party. Are you coming? Uh, and this is after the brother has driven the mom to her work at Sears. So they've left. And it's just Eric at home waiting for Debbie. Uh, they decide, well, we need to help Mac. Now Mac is here. We got to help him. <laughs> but wait, we got to go to a party. Oh, boy. Also, the police are here because a blackout can be traced down to its source, and I guess they figured out where Mac is. Oh, right. We didn't talk about the blackout at all. I assume that had a something blackout to do happens. with Mac. Yes. Uh, so I think it's with the powers. I think it's the vacuum cleaner. I think the vacuum cleaner shorts yeah. out the power grid. It's it's really unimportant. All that it accomplishes is now the government kind of knows where Mac is. So so <laughs> at this point. The Debbie is like, but we got to go to the party. My mom's in charge of you right now. Uh, she was given permission by your mom. You have to come with us. And Eric's like, well, I got to stay and protect Mac. But I guess you're right. I have to go. All right. Go out to the car. I got this. <laughs> and what he's got is a Chicago Cubs costume, I guess, <laughs> that he puts Mac in. So when he comes out of the house... It's like Mac is a giant teddy bear Mm -hmm. sitting on Eric as he wheels himself out of the home. And basically the same size as Eric at this point instead of a tiny little alien. This teddy bear is enormous and would fool nobody. (laughs) And then the mom's best part. Isn't he a little old to have a teddy bear? Yes. So she says, isn't he a little old to have a teddy bear? Debbie's response to make sure the situation's okay is just, oh, he's from Illinois. And that explains it, apparently. Oh, I think I think at this point the mom was just so done with Debbie. It's just like, all right, Debbie, you don't really understand anything. I'm not going to take the time to explain to you why being from Illinois doesn't mean you have a giant teddy bear <laughs> when you're 12 years old. But you know what? We got a party to get to. I don't have the time. <laughs> uh, and so they go to the party, which is at... A McDonald's. Surprise! This is where McDonald's really makes its claim on this film. So, when we cut to this scene, the way you cut to it is going from them in the car to a boombox, and 
having a dance off in the parking lot of McDonald's. Like, I don't know oh, yes. if I have ever seen this happen in real life. Like, why would you be having a party in the parking lot of a restaurant where people are constantly driving through the parking lot? So, Mark, the reason you've never seen it is because it doesn't exist. It, yes. You know how when you have a birthday party at a Chuck E. Cheese, you don't have all of the Chuck E. Cheese. They put you in a room in the mm-hmm. back with terrible pizza, and you have free <laughs> reign of the play place. Mm-hmm. This party is the entire McDonald's, including the parking lot, which has breakdancing because we're in the 80s. Uh, yeah, and one note that I wrote down, which has nothing to do with anything. The first guy you see doing the breakdancing is wearing his suspenders backwards. I don't know if that was a thing in the 80s for breakdancers or something. I maybe associate it more with the 90s, but I think the 80s and 90s trends for clothing were just like... Craziness. <laughs> or, better yet, it's probably the adults working on this film trying to connect with the kids of this era. Well, and even better than the fact that it took... So I have actually been to more than one birthday party at a McDonald's in my life. Oh my gosh. Was Ronald McDonald there? I think he was at one of them. Maybe not the Ronald McDonald, but, you know. There's more than one. (laughs) Uh, Just like Santa Claus. Shh. Spoilers. Um... Yeah, so, yeah, it was kind of like what you said. You know, we had like a section. They they may not have had a room separated for us, but you have like an area that you all just you go sit down. You get a few tables, and that's the part. This tables. not only took over the whole restaurant and spilled in. I don't, I guess I didn't know for sure if the people in the parking lot were part of the birthday party or if they were just there having a dance party on their own. But during the party, Matt kind of takes over and and everybody is cheering him on as he's dancing around the restaurant and then randomly there are football players there in their whole uniform with shoulder pads and everything like what why yes. why are they even there <laughs> i have an explanation from the producer himself oh boy but before we get to that uh so as an explanation for why the bear is moving uh, mac yeah. or mac yes. eric explains oh it's new animatronics that got installed to a teddy bear i already had uh and just Everyone buys this explanation. Even the kids sitting at the table who see his alien hand stretch across the table, <laughs> grab a Coke, and bring it towards him. They all they all assume this is just a perfectly normal toy that any one of them could own. And they are totally on board with it. But yes, a big part of this party is everyone getting together and dancing this huge choreographed uh, dance with football players and cheerleaders and kids. I called it, it's like an organized flash mob jazzercise video. (laughs) Yeah. And at a point, Mac in the teddy bear costume gets up on the McDonald's counter and starts break dancing. Mm -hmm. Even though they are hiding from the cops who are tailing them for no reason. Uh, Mac presents himself to the world. It's just like, hey guys, I'm here and I can dance. Somehow, yeah, he knows how to dance even though he's never seen any of these dance moves. Maybe he was creating breakdancing. Yeah, and I hear you asking me, 
oh, do the dance moves go along with him not having any bones? Like, can we, does he do, like, real stretchy dance moves like Mr. Fantastic did in one of those Fantastic Four movies? The answer is not at all. Uh, he is clearly just a child dancing like the robot in a bear costume. And again, like we talked about earlier, this is one of these points where he is suddenly like two feet taller than he was at the beginning of the movie. Uh, So the reason the cops shouldn't be there is they know Max at the house, right? And they saw the mom and the older son leave the house in a car. And then they saw the son get into the younger son, get into a car with the neighbors and drive to a party. This is a perfect opportunity for the cops to search that home for the alien they're looking for. Instead, they follow this child they have no reason to suspect has an alien with him, and they chase him down to a McDonald's. Uh, maybe this is the point where the producer says, see, this doesn't, this isn't the same as E.T. because uh-huh. in E.T. Because they we're all, at a McDonald's and it, there's dancing. In E.T. they broke into the house and sterilized everything while the family was gone. Oh, they really should have done that. <laughs> but, the, so, a lot of people watching this film have questioned, why does this dance scene happen? None of the main characters, except for Mac in a bear costume, are involved in this dancing scene at all it's just something that's going on at the party but the movie is making it out to be that this is a enormous event that is very important to the film the reason given by the producer was quote when i make a movie i don't want to just make a movie i want to make the movie revenues i want to make the video revenues i want to make a book and i want to make a soundtrack So that's why this is in the film, is that he wanted to make this a music video so that he could sell the soundtrack to this film. Maybe that would have worked in the 80s. I feel like the music that was happening during that scene was not anything that special. No, but I think if this movie had gotten as popular as E.T., people would look back fondly on this scene. So... It was a is a real throw of the dice, a real gamble that didn't pay off because the movie wasn't very popular. That's my best guess as to why it exists. Uh, it's not for the film; it's for the soundtrack they wanted to sell. I mean, but uh, yeah, it was also an excuse to throw in McDonald's and Ronald McDonald and. Oh yeah, I have a question on Ronald McDonald. Is he a magician? Because he <laughs> just does party tricks. Yeah, at this party, it's not like he's doing clown things. He is just doing like sleight of hand magic tricks. Hmm. I don't know what stuff he does. Usually, I guess I would think of him making like balloon animals or something. Yeah, or like juggling. Yeah, or miming, or clowning around, or doing physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Or like having a flower on his lapel that would squirt children. What that is a common thing. You gave me you gave me a look as that that, that had a sexual innuendo no, 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 to it. No, and it I was not. I was waiting for you to say a flower that squirts water, and when you say it squirts children, I'm picturing a flower squirting children out of the flower. <laughs> so. Okay. Water was implied. That's what I've seen. Maybe you've seen children squirting flowers, and that's a completely separate product. It would have to be a lot bigger than a, on Ronald McDonald's lapel. Anyway. <laughs> kind of getting off topic. This is where uh, you said he flies out of McDonald's because the cops come in. Uh, This is a a movie gaffe or whatever I saw on IMDb 
they they want to suggest that he's flying out. However, it is very clear that two members of the mm-hmm. party are carrying him out as quickly as possible. Well, th- it, during the dance, he did like a triple backflip or something that went across the entire restaurant. So it kind of looks like he's flying. At this point, the cops come, and I don't even know if he knows what's happening, if he's trying to escape the cops or whatever, but he just stretches his arms out like an airplane, and and his legs are still dangling straight down underneath him. It's not like he's flying horizontally. He just jumps off the counter with his arms out and floats all the way to the door. And then this is the big exciting chase scene, which also has nothing to do with E.T. Because there were no chase scenes in that movie. Oh, no, of course not. (laughs) It wasn't a boy in a two-wheeled vehicle carrying the alien away from the cops. E.T. certainly didn't have that. Yeah. Anywho. So this is where Eric gets Mac. They start running away from the cops. Eric is able to do it because he has learned his lesson from falling down a goddamn (laughs) cliff. Uh, and can use gravity to get enough speed that the cops can't chase him down on foot. However, he oh, he goes to the wrong side of a highway, and this is where we get more car crashes. <laughs> How has this kid not learned, A, not to be on a highway, and B, not to be on the wrong side of a highway where the cars are coming at you? Maybe he did oh, it on purpose. This child. So what? So the cars would hit the cops? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a really masochistic child then. No, sadistic. Masochistic is if you're hurting yourself. Anyway. Well, somehow at the same time that he is able to propel his wheelchair faster than a running person, he's also able to take Mac's costume off at the same time. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, he just becomes an alien again. Uh, so this is where I... So I don't know how far away the mom works. Uh, yeah. Because... Eric is able to get there on his wheelchair from the McDonald's with no car whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the chase scene leads. Is he breaks into what I assume was a toy store, but apparently was just a Sears. In fact, the specific Sears where his mom is working. I think, wasn't she, she was flirting with somebody at the time, I believe. I think the guy was flirting with her. Yeah, something. It was, it it was, was hard to tell. Anyway... Mac uses more of his electronics powers, which aren't fully explained and don't really understand electricity, uh, to (laughs) get things in the cops' way uh, and prevent them from chasing them. I think all this established is now the the mom knows that Eric is in trouble. And so she goes chasing them out into the street, uh, completely abandoning her job responsibilities. Which I buy. If a mom saw their kid being chased by adults at work, she would drop everything and go save the child. That part of the film, I buy. Do you do you buy the ending to the chase is the next question. Do you mean getting picked up by a car? <laughs> I mean, the car didn't pick him up, but... <laughs> well, sure. I think it... Oh, a way better... Uh, anyway, what happens is... <laughs> This, um, Michael, Michael is his name. I keep forgetting. Um, Michael is driving their van, pulls up alongside Eric, who is apparently going the speed of a car. Uh, even if it like slowed down to 10 miles an hour, I think the cops would have been able to catch them. So they're still going slightly faster than you can run. Anyway, Eric pulls alongside, opens the sliding door. They get Mac. 
They pull in Eric. Now Eric's in the car and they drive off. I think a way better way to do this scene is if they had one of those vans uh, that can like, uh, like buses do, where they extend out a lift Mm -hmm. for wheelchairs uh, and then they can lift the wheelchair and bring it into the thing. If they incorporated that, this, this would have been a way better scene. They don't and it's fine. But yes, that's what ends the chase scene is they just drive away and the cops have forgotten how to take cars places, I guess. <laughs> it's just like, well, we can't. Oh, we're not going to catch a van on foot. I give up. So they must have removed some seats from the van at some point because in order to lift a full wheelchair right in the door of the car, there must be a lot of room right there. Previously, this van, we have seen Eric sitting very close to the driver's and passenger seat. My understanding was he doesn't have to get out of his wheelchair. He has his wheelchair in the car and it is strapped down in some fashion. That was my understanding because if they had put his wheelchair like in the back, it the the seat where he was was too close to the driver and passenger. Yeah. I think this is a modified van for Eric. Still... To be able to lean out of a van without falling out and pick up an entire wheelchair is kind of... I mean, you're right. It's, <laughs> uh, it's a bit ridiculous. So this is where we get to uh, the desert. They discover that Mac was getting messages from his parents of the things that they saw along the way on their journey. Because they pass a billboard, they pass the windmills, which is what Mac was trying to portray with the flowers and straws. And they arrive at a cave where his parents are. (laughs) And we discover again the magical healing properties of Coca-Cola. Oh, yes. Because Michael goes down into the cave uh, alone. (laughs) And this is a... This should have been Eric going down. Michael has not been important to this film at all at this point. And this is a big moment for a solo character to do on their own. This should be the kid who's befriended the alien, not his older brother. And it's not like Eric can't get down there, because he gets down there in the next scene where all the kids come down. Anyway, Michael, knowing nothing about alien biology, (laughs) gets their pulse from their wrist, then listens to where the human heart would be, but is not necessarily there for an alien creature, uh, and determines, oh my god... They're dying. I believe, doesn't he also, like, poke them in the face? (laughs) I think so. He's like, oh, good, they're not dead, they're just dying. I know what to do. We'll give them coke. (laughs) And it works, so... It does! Uh, Because, like, they are instantly better. It's not like they met a dehydrated man who was able to, like, talk and think a bit better after you gave him a sip of water. This is as if you found a man in the desert who was dying of thirst, you gave them half a bottle of water, and they were able to jog a marathon after it. (laughs) Because they are instantly healed. They get back in the car, they get back to the city. We're skipping ahead because I want to get to this scene where in five minutes... This movie goes off the rails. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> I was bored throughout a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. They really, really delay Mac hanging out with Eric. 
Uh, they take far too long. And then once he does, it only lasts like 10 minutes before they find the family. Exactly. And now we got to hit the climax, but we don't have any time to set anything up. All right, let's just go. We need to get to an explosion. Let's get there in five minutes. I don't know where they are, but they stop over somewhere where they can get gas that is also next to a grocery store and is kind of a strip mall also. Do you know where they were? I have no idea. California, maybe? Sure. <laughs> Air, or Michael goes to call his mom and his mom's not at home, uh, which is bookending something that happens later. And these, this alien family, knowing nothing about American customs or what a grocery store is, <laughs> decide to wander in to a grocery store so they can get more Coca-Cola. I th- well, and the, the dad alien comes walking through holding a watermelon at one point. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and this grocery store security guard comes and accosts them and has a gun. <laughs> I don't know if I've... Maybe this was a thing in the 80s. I don't know if we gave every security guard... In fact, I don't know if grocery stores has security yeah, guards. Yeah, that's what I first was of wondering. All. Second of all, I don't know if a grocery store security guard would have a gun. Uh, third of all, I don't know why he would lose his gun so easily to this perpetrator who has gone into his store. If you are a trained security guard... He kept yelling, "Hey, don't come, don't come closer to me. Stay in back, stays whatever." And then he just lets it walk up and take the gun out of his hand. If you're a trained security guard and somebody's trying to take your gun, I think you would at least shoot them or something. Yeah, and this is the first point in the scene that we reestablish that the aliens don't understand English. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, then the the what there's like the state troopers come in. Yeah, I'm. Well, How did they get there? I'm wondering if when they alert security, if it calls the police or something. Because then maybe like in a few minutes, all the scientist military people show up. So they must have been listening in on all of this to know that they needed to come there. Okay, that's also giving the film a lot of credit, but I can buy that. That at least explains why the cops show up. And they start pointing their guns at the aliens because now the dad has a gun. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know what a gun is. I'm pretty sure his finger's not on the trigger. However, these police force don't give him any benefit. They don't approach him in any way. They just point their guns at him and shout at him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, Does Eric come in at this point? I they somehow get out of the store. They get out. Yeah, Michael is trying to calm things down. He's saying, "Hey, they don't understand you. Just be calm about it. They 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 they're nice. They won't hurt you. They're, they just don't understand." And eventually, they get out of the store, and that's where all the police and people are, and they just start walking away to a different store. I guess. Right. I think they. I think the aliens start walking away to their to the van they came in because the aliens, again, not knowing anything about grocery stores or groceries are now held holding grocery bags full of Coke and a box that is also full of two liters of Coke. <laughs> and the police, the scientists, the, the SWAT team that they have called has set up a barrier of police cars uh, and all are pointing their guns at the dad because the dad is still holding this revolver that he doesn't know anything about or what it does. 
They start walking to their van. Eric pleads with them, please don't shoot. They don't understand and decides, I'm going to roll out there. <laughs> and I know they don't, exp- they don't understand English, but I'm going to talk to them and tell them to put down their gun. I still don't know. I watched this a couple of times. I don't know exactly yeah. what happened. Somebody trips or so, drops a yes. gun or something. So a policeman repositions. He trips. His gun misfires, which surprises Alien Dad. Mm -hmm. And in his surprise, he turns around with his arm up, and the police assume, oh, he's going to fire the gun. And so they shoot. Then the van explodes. Then a building explodes. (laughs) Then the strip mall explodes. Which, okay, that's not how buildings work in the first place, unless there was a reason for it to be explosive, but... I have no idea, but... And then we learn Eric died in the explosion. Yeah, I don't... So in in five minutes, (laughs) we are gone from them having a family trip in a van... To Eric dying from an explosion. And when I was watching it, like I said, I didn't remember things that had happened. And this was one of those that I had no idea was coming. Like, you know, he starts rolling out there wanting to talk. And I thought, well, maybe he'll be in the line of fire. He might get shot or what. Like, there's nothing about how he died. He's just out there in no man's land between the two sides. The building explodes, and then, like, in the fireball, you see a silhouette of him in a chair just slumped over in his wheelchair. So I don't know if... It doesn't say if he got shot or if the explosion kills him, even though he's not in it. I think it was the explosion. I think it was the explosion. Uh, Because explosions have a lot of force that aren't necessarily the fire. But wouldn't that that have knocked his wheelchair back? Uh, maybe the brakes were on. I don't know. Maybe this is the first time in the movie he put brakes on the wheelchair instead of falling down a cliff again. He tried. He broke the brakes off when he was falling down the cliff. Oh, that's right. All right. So, I understand this is a children's film. Eric's not going to be dead for long. But they really take their time with this. Mm -hmm. Where Michael runs to Eric, learns that his brother has died... And starts mourning the loss of his little brother. And then the girls show up and are so, oh, Eric. And it's like, you've known him for a day, two days. Like, Courtney comes over and is bawling on top of the corpse. Then the mom comes with the science people in a helicopter (laughs) to learn that her son has died. And we get to watch a mom lose her shit watching her 12-year-old's body just laying there on the ground. Uh, And then it's hard to tell because it's terrible CGI, but the aliens get up out of the flames and start walking over. But they sure take their time. Yeah, and I don't... Yeah, there's a whole... I don't remember, again, any of that happening the first time I watched it, but... and at this point, the police are totally cool with the aliens. Yeah, all, all of like, a sudden, not it's like, to oh, them anymore. they survived that giant explosion, and now we're not scared of them anymore. Let's just wa- let watch them walk up there and touch this kid that just died. Right. Like, this military organization is not... I would assume that they would try to uh, t- play down the child's death, try to wipe that from people's memory, stop it from getting in the press... And capture the aliens as soon as possible, and maybe explain it as a gas station blew up for an unknown reason and accidentally killed a child in the process. 
Like, that's the cover-up story I expect the government to do. But no, <laughs> they're just, they don't care anymore. They're just going to let the aliens do whatever aliens do. Um, so the other thing I was expecting was for the aliens to walk up, see the dead body on the ground, and say, I got this. And just hand Michael a Coca-Cola. <laughs> Or, like, that they would see the dead body and be like, oh, I understand dead bodies. Don't worry, we'll dispose of the corpse for you. And just wipe his body into ashes. Or, uh, for their prayer circle that they do to resurrect the kid, just to be, like, a magic trick that they do on their planet. And not, like, they're communing with the ancient spirits, but it doesn't actually do anything for the child. I mean, well, you see them coming out of the flames, and you get the big musical build-up, and it's like, oh, well, they're going to come save him somehow, whatever. I had not thought about Coca-Cola, which would have been kind of funny, but... I I also expected at one point in the film, for the whistling that the aliens do, like, their communication, I expected for uh, the this last prayer circle to break into the McDonald's theme... <laughs> Like, just doing a ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Except that song wasn't the theme in the 80s. That's fair. <laughs> but, yeah, I I was kind of, you bring, I, I hadn't really thought about that, but you bring up the point, like, so does nobody ever die on their planet? Like, if they have this ability, can Great they just point. bring everybody back to life as soon as they die, or what? Uh, I think so. I think, yes. Yes, that is what they're capable of doing. Because... <laughs> so, um, to make it clear to our audience, the aliens form a prayer circle, they start chanting, and they bring Eric back to life. By now, chanting, you mean whistling, because that's all they can do. Sure. Um, but I also expected for Eric to be able to walk again, because at this time, I did not know that the actor was actually in a wheelchair. So apparently, there are limits to this alien ability, where they can bring the dead back to life, but they cannot cure leg paralysis. I had not thought of that. I get well. So after that, we have that finale scene. But do we actually see him get up from from the parking lot? We don't see him stand. I think he is in the scene. Because uh, he's in the scene in the um uh, the swearing in of the alien Courthouse family. And he's, he's in a wheelchair. But yes, that is how this film ends. Is after this explosion. Uh, and then bringing a child back to life, they de- they decide to downplay it because we run into the scientists, government people who are rushing to get to an event. And the event that they are rushing towards is this U.S. citizen, uh, not inauguration, swearing in yeah. of U.S. citizens, uh, where the Mack family is now. Uh, they've been given 1950s style clothing. <laughs> Uh, they have become the nuclear, the ideal nuclear family of that era, and they are raising their hands and agreeing to become U.S. citizens. Which, I guess, I was confused about this scene when I watched it, but you brought up the point they don't really have a ship to go home on, so I guess they don't really have another option. They're also free to go, because we see them drive off in a convertible and that's how the movie ends, but, like... Why? I don't see the government letting them go. They have a cure for death. Why are the, Why would the government not study this? Why would we not force them to work at hospitals and cure the people who are dying at hospitals? But you don't know why that they aren't the, working at a hospital. Maybe that's their job. Maybe. 
why would the military not send them overseas to the front lines so that they can cure soldiers and bring them back to the front? Such a conspiracy theorist here. The government understands what these aliens are capable of, but they don't have to let the rest of the U.S. people know about the aliens. They can still cover up the aliens. I don't buy that the aliens are given a house in the suburbs and can now go live there like a regular family. So that's the umbrage I take for the end of this film. And and everything else in the film. <laughs> on that note, let's go on to games. Our first game is the pitch game. A game where we take one, two, three or more properties and shove them together in the form It's This Meets This to describe this movie. So, Mark, what is Mac and Me in terms of other things? So, I normally try to go for the non-obvious ones. Oh, okay. But this time, since I'm guessing you might also have one of these, I'm just going to go with the, the big one first. So, because it's a movie with uh, where a being from another planet gets separated from its family on Earth, but finds a new family, learns to communicate, and discovers it loves sugary sweets, in the end, he is reconnected with his real family with the help of humans, uh-huh. uh, mixed with a movie uh, where the main character and family is from Chicago, and the filmmakers used every possible background prop and costume to remind you... I have E.T. the Extraterrestrial meets Princess Bride. Princess Bride? <laughs> it has nothing Now hold on. It has nothing to do with I the was plot. expecting I was expecting a John Hughes film no. like a Ferris Bueller. I the, I would Every time they a, talked about Chicago, all I could think of was Princess Bride and how he has a bunch of Chicago stuff in his bedroom, and that was all I thought of. He's about. got like a hat that isn't even his hat. He has a little action figure of a football player. I think he wears a jersey too. He he does wear a but, jersey. Yeah, I don't know. That it has nothing to do with the plot, but just 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 the just the props and stuff about Chicago. That's fair. I don't associate Chicago with Princess Bride, but that's fine. All right. I, I, do, have, I do have one of those, but I'm, I'll save it to later. Uh, so, since this is a sci-fi film that is a complete ripoff from a far more popular movie, trying to capitalize on the popularity of the original, and... A licensed McDonald's character who was an alien who comes to Earth giving people flowers and taking McDonald's products. <laughs> this is Star Crash, the ripoff of Star Wars, meets CosMC, or Cosmic, which was a very short-lived McDonald's promotional character. Wow. Yeah, I did some McDonald's research for these games. I, I it's depressing. I was going to say that the, I, the Princess Bride was kind of because I like to pick things that seem to not make sense and try to make huh. them make sense. But you found a whole bunch of randomness that I would not have oh, even yeah. thought about. This isn't the first time McDonald's has done aliens. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. All right. Uh, okay, so the second one. Because it's a movie where... Um, an otherworldly being, after escaping from scientists in a lab, hitches a ride with a human to get away. The human decides to help, and many chase scenes ensue. At least one large explosion, but everyone lives happily ever after. Uh, 
And because it's a sci-fi adventure following four neighborhood children and their non-human friend, the oldest brother falls for the girl next door and there's lots of product placement. Okay. I have the fifth element meets Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, right. Cheerios and oatmeal pies. Mm-hmm. And Legos and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> uh so I've got a 1980s film where a child befriends an alien separated from his family, introducing the alien to his sibling while hiding it, hiding it from their mother, keeping it safe from the government, and featuring psychic connections, the alien in a Halloween costume, <laughs> and bringing dead things back to life, meets a promotional device from a fast food chain, featuring a group of kids... Uh, a misunderstanding of technology, one-note female characters, and a child in a wheelchair. This is E.T. meets the Burger King Kids Club. <sighs> I So this is something that it was stuck in my mind because I knew there was a fast food chain that had a promotion with a kid in a wheelchair, and I couldn't remember what it was. I looked all over for McDonald's, and it turns out it was a Burger King thing. And at that point, I'd done so much research, I was just like, you know what? Fine, I'm keeping it. I have never heard of that. <laughs> so You might remember it if you saw images, but maybe not. That, that, wow. Yeah, you went way off the scale for this one. I, I just referenced E.T. Yeah, well, all the other ones are kind of out there. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right, so I have one and a half more. <laughs> Um, all right, so this is a movie, uh, where a vacuum goes crazy and takes a ride on the ceiling. There are weird electrical powers and the ability to control electronics with a touch meets a movie where an alien life form stows away on a human vessel, spends time hidden in plain sight by wearing another creature as a costume, and seems impervious to all human weapons. I have Ernest Goes to Jail meets Alien. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, nice to see an earnest reference. <laughs> All right, my final one. Since this is a sci-fi property where government agents try to track down aliens with a wide range of strange and unexplained powers featuring an adult female character who doesn't believe in them, and uh, an attempt by McDonald's to extend their brand into popular media, which featured popular McDonald's characters, but was thankfully unsuccessful. Uh, this is The X-Files meets MC Kids, which was McDonald's try at a video game from the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, man. Uh, so that reminds me... I don't really know if it reminded me much about it, but for some some reason, your description of the X Files, the X Files, made me think of batteries not included. Oh, is that the one? I tried to find uh, this film that only had like the uh, lowest description of. I will look that up but, as you do your so, final half so of a game. I have a fourth one. It has nothing to do with the movie itself. It is more a personal. Thing. So after watching this movie with my sister, we used to always do the hand gesture thing to each other. <laughs> and we always talked about Valvoline because that was the brand on that billboard thing oh, that they always right. saw. Okay. Yep. So 
in town where I grew up, we had billboards, obviously, and some of them were Valvoline. Whenever we would go out to eat at Cracker Barrel, there was a Valvoline billboard right in front of the restaurant. And every, after we saw that movie, we would always, every time we went by that billboard, we would talk about it in the backseat of the car. So my fourth one was Cracker Barrel meeting Valvoline. Wow. <laughs> A deep cut. I mean, I almost, it's a very, it's more of a personal whatever thing. It's not really anything with the movie, but. So I had some deep McDonald's cuts because I was looking up like things McDonald's has tried in the past and found a lot of things that tied into this film. I almost went for a deeper cut, which was another video game called Spot the Cool Adventure. Uh, it features the red circle uh, from 7-Up fame. You know, the red circle on a 7-Up logo. Um, in a video game, which was a rip-off of the McDonald's video game for the Nintendo Entertainment System. <sighs> you know, I might have played that because now that I, I wouldn't have remembered it, but when you mentioned it, it sounds familiar to me. I have not played the McDonald's one, but the 7-Up one sounds familiar for some reason. Apparently the McDonald's is kind of, it's very loosely based on Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> like they have the basic format. It's a platformer. There's seven worlds that you visit, but in each one you're visiting like a McDonald's character. And in fact, the alien I mentioned, Cos MC, uh, is one of the people you meet in that video game. Anywho. Go on to our second game, which is alternate tagline, a phrase you would see in the movie poster for the film that prepares you for the theme of the movie, though for us hopefully misses the point. Mark, you are again going to start us off here. So what do you have for Mac and me? What would appear on the movie poster? Based on our, I, I thought that this was something that I noticed uh, that would be unique, but based on our conversations, I'm going to try to get out there before you do, hopefully. Okay. <clears throat> Mac and me, the tale of the magical healing power of Coca-Cola. Ha! <laughs> I thought about that one. <laughs> I did not write it down. But because this film is a ripoff, I decided to rip off a tagline. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so I've got Mac and me, space, the final frontier. Oh, it's bad. I know it's bad. <laughs> Do I need a boo off screen or something off screen? I, I think our audience is doing it in yeah. their brains right now. <laughs> uh, all right. I have Mac and me, the original Build-A-Bear. <laughs> oh. oh, God. The one thing we didn't mention about this bear costume <laughs> uh, is that they don't keep the eyes in the bear <laughs> yeah. face. They cut out eyes. And so you just see the giant alien eyes behind the mask which is why nobody would buy that this is an animatronic teddy bear well and the, the other so she asked how long they, they had been together and he was confused because he he didn't know what she was talking about debbie had to explain she means you and the bear and he says oh we've been together a long time and and then he explains that it moves because it has because it's a new mechanical bear and she's like but you just said you've been together a long time Oh, to which he explains, we had new microchips added, and it's like well, <laughs> I added microchips to the stuffing <laughs> of my original bear, and now it's a robot. You know how microchips do? Yeah, and of course that would work when you're in California. Everybody knows microchips. Oh so. right, yeah, they they are in Silicon Valley, so I mean, <laughs> of course. 
Uh, did you have a third tagline? I, my second one. Oh, we are right, only on my right, second right, one. Right. <laughs> my second and final one, uh, which at least prepares you for what this film is about to show you, uh, is Mac and Me. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They kill a kid. Thank, th- thanks, thanks. You're I welcome. Guess. Uh, all right, I had one more. I don't. I think you only had two. I have a third one. Mac and me, bargain bin et. Ha! <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, so I have one more note from the producer of the film as to why why this film got made because there's a there's a great article on it. Um, and the reason this film got made, or at least the, the sale he sent to McDonald's was, it was six years since E.T. had happened. Uh, and so he thought, we should get a new alien for the kids of this generation. <laughs> because, like, five years is admittedly enough time. I mean, me and my brother are five years apart. My cultural touchstones are not his cultural touchstones. And so what they were trying to do is capture the magic of E.T. for the children, uh, even though their older siblings five years ago had E.T. to fall back on. So that's that's how this film got made. Sorry, (laughs) my my windscreen for the mic is dying, so I got to sort that out. It makes me laugh because we are recording podcasts about cultural touchstone movies that we remember from growing up. And we are five years apart, I believe. So That's true. <laughs> you're talking about different cultural touchstones from a five-year period. Hmm. So, I don't know. I think we we have a lot of overlap. I don't know what that says about our upbringing. <laughs> um, but we, I think we have certain movies or certain uh, series of films that were a bit before my time or a bit after your time. Anyway, uh, uh, you're done with taglines? Yes. All right, our final game is the TV Guide Game, a description of the plot of the film you would see in a Netflix or TV Guide description that describes the plot of the film accurately, though hopefully misses the point for us again. Uh, So, Mark, once again, you're going to start us off. Give us the plot of Mac and Me. It's funny because I wrote these some one of these down last night, and now that I'm reading it, I don't know why I thought it was a good one. So I will start with that one and hopefully end with a good one. Uh, a young being is transported to a new land and must learn to adapt to his new surroundings, including nosy female neighbors and a creature from another planet. Ha! Alright. So I've got a family with unique and inconsistent powers gets taken from their home and lose their child in the process. Despite all of their physical advantages, they are no match for their new environment and are reduced to being saved by the native children. Unable to return home, they eventually become residents of the new land, but given that they lack the capacity to speak the native language, they will be, at best, second-class citizens. That was a very long TV guide for us. It sure was. My second one may be just as oh, long. Oh, good. I, I don't know. I don't know what I struggle with on the games this week, but I struggle. Oh, well, I liked it, actually. I usually try to keep them to one sentence on the guide, but sometimes longer helps explain it better. I don't know. Anyway, uh, my second one. Scientists try to track down an escaped creature in an attempt to keep humanity safe, only to be thwarted repeatedly by a child. (laughs) Ha! 
Uh, my final one. Just as a family is starting to rebuild after suffering the tragic loss of its patriarch, its youngest member is harassed by an illegal alien and blamed for the destruction the immigrant causes. Despite this, the child tries to help him and literally ends up dying for his troubles while the immigrant and his family become legal citizens. (laughs) Yep. Good. Let's go on to reviews for this film. We start, of course... With our infamous potato scale, uh, a scale which will tell you what you can expect from an emotional tone for this film in terms of our relationship with potatoes. So, I think, uh, since I have this up, I haven't prepared, uh, but I have it up, so I will, th- I will go first. I think the obvious one to put here is the McDonald's fries, <laughs> which on our scale, is so bad, but so good? Um, or is that poutine? No, what no, yeah, McDonald's that's the fries? McDonald's fries. Overindulgent. Oh, overindulgent. A good, bad movie. Good once in a while. I think that is the perfect representation of this film. Because as much as I complain about it, it's a good, bad film. You will have fun watching it as long as you know what you're in for, because the danger for these children comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and, like, in an instant, they are in mortal peril. Also, the blatant product placement is so large in this film, it is laughable. Uh, and so, I don't know if I have anything else for this. I was I was bored a lot during this movie, so I guess I could also give it um, a raw potato. It's a little bland, uh, it's a direct copy, so you know the notes, but they don't, they take a long time to get to the notes that you're expecting in the film. So yeah, a raw potato, but good, bad film. So raw potato and McDonald's fries, that's me. What do you got, Mark? It's funny because you said McDonald's fries, and in my head I was thinking that was our second place, and I was like, wow, you really liked this movie, but... Uh, I thought, I thought so too at first, but, <laughs> but I, I guess I, it's not, so... Um, I, so... Having seen this before as a kid and remembering that I liked it, I will have to give it the potatoes with eyes, which means spoiled with age. I would like to say that I could see it still being a kid's movie, but I think today's audience is used to much better special effects and stories even in children's movies. So I don't know that it is even something that I could say is a kid's movie anymore. It's just kind of... I don't know. Maybe if you're not so critical of it like we are, maybe you could still enjoy it as a child. But <laughs> but um, I do I do like the McDonald's fries that you gave it. So I think it would be McDonald's fries and potatoes with eyes just because for me personally, it has definitely spoiled since I remember watching it as a kid. Uh, yeah. So let's go on to our other review scale, which is a rewatchability scale, a scale on... Uh, from 0 to 10, telling our viewers should they go back and watch this movie. So, I was... I'm just looking at the reviews that I have given movies to see where it fits in relation to other things. And the one that is closest for me... Apparently, I gave The Land Before Time, Mark's favorite childhood film, a 4.5. And I think I, I like this film better... Uh, then Land Before Time. And I think five for me is a perfect, it's not good, 
It's not terrible. I think that's where I'm going to put good, bad films is uh, they're not painful to watch. They're not enjoyable to watch. They're right in the middle. I'm going for a solid five. Yep. <laughs> that, is that's, that where you are that's, as well? That's my whole input there. Yeah. I, well, and I was kind of doing the same thing where I'm looking back. Although, see, because I gave Labyrinth a four and I might be more likely to watch that. Uh, <laughs> oh, are you saying you may have rated Labyrinth a bit too low, no. even though that's what Sarah and I told you during the recording? So what I have for this one, again, what I have said like five times already, I remember watching this and it has kind of that, that's the whole point of our podcast is that it has a nostalgia for me. So watching it kind of brings back me, for me, like memories of things that I did with my family growing up or watching the movie with them or, you know, things that the movie reminded me of while I was with them. So it, it I think that gives it a little boost just because I have the nostalgia. But from the movie itself, it is it's definitely stuck in the 80s. <laughs> From from the special effects to the dances and the music, so it 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 has aged. Um, it, it just has that nostalgia for me, which which bumps it up a bit. So I think five is still right around where I would put it. Alrighty, uh, that is. We are moving towards the end of the episode. I will tell our listeners that you can find us on Facebook uh, if you want to go to retrograding page. Um, you can find each other on Retrograding Party Line. Uh, I think we're going to try to get Sarah to post more things as soon as she figures out what she's doing with her life uh, <laughs> and that she's not in too many shows at once. Um, and our music is done by Dominique Barnes. And as stated on previous episode, we are no longer pointing you to the SoundCloud because she doesn't do that anymore. Um, so... That is going to bring us to our final segment, uh, which is, guys, I learned something today. And I maybe didn't learn anything in this film. <laughs> you learned I that Coca-Cola can heal you if you're dying. I, I think that's good enough. <laughs> I was going to say montages should accomplish something instead of <laughs> yeah. just being nothing. Uh, but between those two of them, I think we have a lesson, something that we learned. Uh, so that's going to close out this episode of Retrograding. We will catch you guys next time. Mm-hmm.